folks, and welcome along to another episode of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. We are into episode 63, and I am joined this morning by a great friend of mine and actually my second guest from Sweden. Michael Hennel, otherwise known as Magic Herb, <laughs> is a great friend of mine, as I said, a fellow entrepreneur and a man who really understands the power and importance of investing in himself. Owner and operator of Magic Herd Limited, Mr. Michael Hemmel, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Eric. I'm fine. I'm uh, great and grateful, you know. <laughs> it's good um, I'm to be here on the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. Uh, I've been following it since, uh, since Les dropped, uh, name dropped it. So uh, <laughs> good times. Yeah, good times indeed, and uh, what a journey we've we've been on in the past few months. Um, you know, life is a journey, and I know, know you've been on on one as we all have, Michael. And uh, I know, and I'm going to get into it pretty quickly here because I think um, it will surprise the audience, pop some of them, to learn that you know you had your struggles in life, and you did deal with you know severe addiction, alcoholism, um, but you broke free from that. And now, you know, you're harnessing gratitude, positivity and love, not just within yourself, but outwardly to the people around you on a daily basis. Um, I'd love to know, you know, you know, how how that kind of came to be, you know, this journey from, you know, one time you you had you're an alcoholic, right? For one want a better word, there's nothing no way to dress that up. But now, you know, you're 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 a father, you're an entrepreneur, you know, you work hard in your business and you seem to be someone who's just completely very well at peace with themselves. Yes. You know what? Um, I think it all started with the childhood trauma, like for so many else, with um, uh, child molesting, evil stepmothers, and uh, I moved around a lot, so I didn't have that safe space. And, and in the mm -hmm. sixth grade, I, I, got, uh, I got scared of life somehow. I stopped doing all the things that uh, made me grow. And uh, in uh, the seventh grade, I found uh, I found cannabis, <laughs> and I liked it a lot. I started to use it recreationally, and I started to heal my traumas, and it was a really powerful plant. But uh, mm -hmm. here in Sweden, uh, using cannabis or psychedelics is uh, the same as shooting heroin or, or sniffing coke all day long. So. Uh, Slowly but surely, I believe I got traumatized by that as well. And uh, society shut me out. And before I knew it, uh, in the age of 22 somewhere, I, uh, I just hanged around with the, with the wrong people. Hmm. Uh, and there was so much drug. And of course, I was curious as well. I'm not going to blame it on anyone else. But hmm. uh, it escalated. And uh, what started with some... Uh, unharmful cannabis ended up with heroin amphetamine pills and in the end alcohol mm -hmm. the, the hardest one the hardest one to get rid of so mm -hmm. the last uh, 10 10 to 12 20 from 20, 2006 2007 alcohol mm -hmm. came to be and it's, you know it's so socially accepted so i thought i yeah. was free i was free i was i was free from addiction i just drank some and it was uh, every day but you know it's socially accepted so uh, for 12 years i drank uh, every day every day 
Wow. It wasn't until 2018, that's recently, that's just two years ago, two and a half yeah. years ago. I, uh, I remember it was January. I, I felt like uh, I felt like trash, and I couldn't I couldn't stop the drinking. I was laying uh, on the sofa. My, my wife had to do everything with the kids, and I just w- went to the sofa. Then I was drinking and maybe do the dishes. Then I went to the sofa. Then I was drinking, do the dishes. I tried to get help from uh, from uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah. Like the support, the Samaritans, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like the hospital and and the mental hospital and everything. But here in Sweden, you can't get any help. If you're self-medicating during, it's like a moment 22. If you're self-medicating, yeah, catch catch 22. Uh, you, You don't get help from society but you need help and it's like so the only thing i knew of because i went to prison a couple of times was uh, to get inside prison so i could get the help i needed so so i wow. started visualizing i started visualizing in january 2018 that i needed to go to prison uh, and i made uh, a crime just next door but they didn't lock me in so i did the same crime again like one month later in the same apartment, a burglary. And finally they came and took me away. So I got locked inside and I really got my act together. I got free from uh, the alcohol. And uh, then I got some great help on the outside with a 12 step program and uh, and the hemp as well. The hemp as well helped me a lot. So uh, yeah. what, a, what a story and what a, what a journey there. In, uh, that's, a, that's a long time to be in that place of addiction for. and. Uh, well done, well done for you know finding yeah. finding your way out. It's really interesting to me that um, to Michael that you said to me there that alcohol was the hardest one for you to kick, and and, and then you 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 really touched on the point you know alcohol's it's there you can buy it from a store. There's nothing illegal about it. It's actually promoted and advertised to us almost on a daily basis from multiple sources, and of course it's socially acceptable. You know it, it's seen as the thing to do to relax or or often. To celebrate i've also thought it's, it's quite weird that we actually as humans our way of celebrating is actually by poisoning ourselves with, with alcohol people don't see alcohol as a poison but essentially that's what it is and that's why you get the effects you get when you when you drink it you're actually just poisoning yourself but do, do you think you know all of those things combined the fact that it is you know available on mass and it's you know it's legal it is socially acceptable do you think those are the things that made it harder for you to to kick than all of the rest of it uh yes and 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 the fact that you get uh, you get a physical addiction to the alcohol as well mm. uh, not like cannabis and uh, and so but 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 of course the, the thing is when it's so socially accepted and you when you lie to yourself you're like, ah, everyone is doing it, and it's okay. It's okay. Mm. And yeah. here in Sweden, like in yeah, the rest of the world, it's so, it's so, uh, it's culture. It's culture. When you meet with family, friends, everywhere, it's it's the alcohol. You you can't, you can't, uh, you can't escape it. Mm. You mm. can. I did, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's always it's always kind of present and around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which also, I guess you know, with with more illicit drugs, you know, 
is there not something you're seeing every day it, it's much easier to disconnect yourself with the people that you know are going to be doing those things and perhaps stay away from them whereas yeah with alcohol it's around every day isn't it so, so then, Michael, you got you did the 12-step program got yourself clean moved moved on from that and then how did you come to be the owner and the operator of the business magic herb that you have today I uh, got inspired by a friend. Now he's a friend. I didn't know him at the time, but uh, our fathers uh, knew each other, and I grew up with his father, uh, a Jamaican uh, Rastafari guy named Roy Burton. And uh, I followed uh, Paul Burton, his son, on uh, Instagram and Facebook, and he was a serial cannabis entre hemp entrepreneur. And uh, he, he tipped me with this book in one of his podcasts with Robert Kiyosaki. Think now, that's Napoleon Hill. Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And I listened to that, and something inside of me happened. This was exactly two years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, from then, I started thinking, what, what do I want to do? And we have some land, and... Uh, I was thinking on the hemp, and yeah, maybe I'm going to try and grow some hemp. It sounds, uh, seems lucrative, mm. but uh, the rules seemed harsh and problematic to, to grow legal, but it wasn't. It was really easy, but uh, the government, when they describe how it's going to be done, it seems like a problem 3,000K. Yeah. yeah. The, the way they... Uh, Typed it out. It yeah. sounds like a super hard thing to do, but it's just mm -hmm. two things you have to do. You have wow. to buy licensed seeds and just draw on a map where you're going to grow the hemp, and then it's done. I really, yeah, it's very simple. The governments do have a funny way of dressing things up and using legal terms to make them look really difficult and complicated, don't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then. Uh, <clears throat> This is kind of nice, uh, speaking of uh, affirmation and goal setting. Mm -hmm. I uh, got my seeds and everything, and this was May, just before I planted the seeds. The first time was 2019, and I planted in June. But in May, I went down to this guy, uh, Paul, and I had this journal. I still have it today. And I typed in some goals for my business. And every single one of them goals were fulfilled in half a year. Bam, Brilliant. just like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Nothing like that energy when you get started with a business and, and the sheer amount of momentum and passion you have. Um, it, it's always there, clear and present at the start. It's, it's a fantastic thing um, to have. I find you have to sometimes keep it going, keep it bouncing, keep new things coming in. And I'm sure once you once you achieve those first goals in that next six the next six months, I bet were some more goals to follow, brother. No, <clears throat> the thing is, I I didn't set any new goals. I got comfortable in that, and you know the, the money was rolling in, and so I stagnated. I, st I stalled. I went in the same direction for, and I knew I had this book in the back of my mind. I must. Uh, I must set some new goals. I must set some new goals, but I didn't do it. I just w went along and just did the exactly necessary stuff to get the business rolling. And I was at the same revenue for uh, a half a year. And I knew in the back of my mind I had to 
do some new goal setting. I have to put it in print because then it's... But uh, I didn't do it. It wasn't until they took the hemp this summer uh, for marijuana and raided us that I, I finally... finally uh, decided to do the work, do the work 100%, step out yeah. of my comfort zone and meet my fears and do the work. And then how did you approach that? Because I know we're in, and I've got it wrong on cue here, we're in the same, we're in the yeah. same, uh, we're in the same program with this wonderful program, which <clears> was created by yeah. Bob Proctor and Sandy Gallagher. And uh, we are, being taught the ways of it through our mentor, John Tallarico, who's doing a great job of, 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 of just, you know, we've become this course, haven't we? And, and all the people that we associate with in it. And um, I know we're going to talk about the power of OQP. I don't know if anyone, anyone knows who's actually listening, who knows what OQP is, please type it in the comments if you do. Um, but let's, let's talk about the power of OQP and the mastermind and how you came to that course, actually, Michael. I'd love to know how you came to thinking in the results because there's like maybe 80 of us in the family now, maybe even more. I haven't checked for a while. Yeah. In our family. 84. I I story of how they got there. Sorry? No, 84, I believe. 84. Uh, there you go. That's and, all right. uh, they got there, haven't they? The thing is, uh, it's actually because of the raid that it took uh, all the hemp yeah. and just destroyed our business that uh, made this all possible. I, otherwise, I wouldn't have uh, committed fully to, to the Les Brown stuff. Uh, I, I would just let it slip away, I believe. I think so. I'm not sure, but uh, mm. that's what the way it was. And uh, because of the raid, I actually had a step back I started drinking for three consecutive days mm. in uh, when the raid happened. This was on a Thursday. I drank Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. And then on Sunday morning around lunch, after I did my breathing exercise, I sat uh, and uh, reading Les Brown's book, actually. You got to be hungry. <clears throat> and uh, then and there, I made a commitment to... Uh, to live fully again, to go all in, and uh, don't uh, try to make up any excuses uh, and be uh, take full responsibility of the situation and just mm -hmm. do the best from then and there. And that's the way it just continued. And then uh, I talked with <clears throat> John. Is is it three months ago? Yeah, three months ago. Yeah. And I had a absolute amazing day i was so pumped up i've been uh, down to the farm like the first time and national television was there to to interview me oh, <clears throat> and this other hemp farmer here in sweden said that he was going to give me exactly the same amount of uh, plants that yeah. they took uh, they were with seeds uh, our were seedless so that's awesome yeah. Quite a big difference, but nevertheless, I was pumped up, and I talked with John on the on the evening, and I just I just went all in. I, I, I <laughs> my <laughs> my wife got ah, she, I blew her mind. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that when you came in because we joined about the about the about the same time about three months ago for me as well. And I remember you saying, 
I've joined this. I'm very happy, but my wife's not 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 awfully happy <laughs> with it. But how's that played out? Yeah, but you know, the very next day uh, it was the other uh, way around because then I was the uh, uh, scared and uh, uh, not uncomfortable, but doubtful, doubtful. Yeah. But then she was, uh, but no, Michael, you know, this, this is going to turn out great. You know what you're doing. And she lifted me up again. And then it's been like that back and forth. And, and now, now it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. We've even been studying the book some together and I'm trying to talk about the teaching and the mindset. And uh, yeah, it's great. And uh, I don't know if that's the reason, but she's also 100% committed and engaged into the business doing like key rings and uh, some side stuff and the small details the, the female touch uh, of it so yeah. uh, it's turned out great i'm, so, when I'm smart. I, yeah, sorry go ahead yeah when i do the work for for some days i've been on a kind of low and i can see the immediate uh, change in result it's it's just like that just like that you know the bob proctor <laughs> just like that and it's so true it's so true some days i've been uh, off from from the thinking into result like two three days in a row but then immediately when i start doing the work again the results are just coming from the outside hmm. it's like pure magic the context yeah. <clears throat> yesterday for example i've been i've been pushing on uh, uh, taking responsibility for learning uh, the booking, bookmaking stuff, uh, yeah, the, the paper, the economic paper stuff with the business. I've been doing that for the past couple of days. It's a headache. <laughs> <laughs> but then yesterday, I, 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 let's do it right here, right now. I have to find a bank and a payment uh, card processor, mm -hmm. and then just like that, from from a clear blue sky. Uh, a friend of ours reached out to me and he was like, yeah, I'm a large shareholder in this uh, business uh, that's dealing hemp. And uh, what's your problem? Do, do you need any help? And I was like, this is weird. But yeah, I need a bank and I need a card processor. Ah, no problem. Use this one and that one. And if you need any more help, just reach out to me. And that's from the group, <laughs> thinking into result, you know. So yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is. And it's, I'm totally with you. I've been smiling so much there because what you said at the start with your partner is going back and forth on it and you know, but you're borrowing that belief from others sometimes and then it particularly plays out a lot in loving intimate relationships, doesn't it? That, you know, sometimes there's parts in a relationship where, where you're down and then where they're down and it's like a revolving ball that you play between you to, to kind of keep you, keep you on a, on a good level. But, um, yeah, I've been sharing some of the stuff in here with definitely my partner and, and some some close friends of mine as well. And, and kind of practicing and playing out some of the things that, that Bob Proctor asked us to do in there, some of the almost uh, like mindful experiments that you can do and things you can try out and trying them out on other people. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is like you say. It's like it's like magic. It seems like magic. But then when you, when you actually know how it works um, and you can see in layman's terms, you know, oh, okay, I do this and I apply this and, and therefore this is most likely or definitely going to happen, then um, it's kind of pulls back the curtain a bit, doesn't it? Um, and you're like, this is magic, but actually it's just, it's, just, it's just hard work and it's how I think and feel 
uh, about things and the actions I take to make sure then then things happen. Uh, <coughs> and, and of course, don't happen as well. You know, a large part of the training we've been doing is is shifting your paradigms and getting rid of the bad things you, the bad habits you have, and the and the wasteful things that you do to let room for the good habits and and productive things. Um, it's something yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah, and I've uh, I've been some days where I've been off too. That's for sure. Um, but I think that's part of the that's part of the challenge of it, and accepting that and being real about that. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I think so too, definitely, because that's that is also like uh, one one of the things to to change the paradigms to to meet those uh, obstacles and and uh, smash them. Yeah. Yeah, quite frankly, yeah. Become, become aware, and then when you're at the stage again, and the next, uh, yeah, a process. You you evolve in it. You evolve in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the learning is in the journey. Is is something yeah. I like to, to wrap it up with. But the 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 power of the mastermind and just having that group of of people that you can you know that you know are working towards the same thing. Um. Is super powerful as well, particularly in then times. You know, there's been many times where I've jumped in that group, of course, for the for the wins, for the good reasons. But reached out and said, "Yeah, having a tough one this week, you know, guys." And everyone's like, "Yeah, look, we've had one too. You know, that was me last week. Uh, this is what I do to pull through it and, and to get through it." And and the mastermind, you know, some people watching might not know what we mean by the mastermind. It's um, actually it's funny in the UK because it was like a TV show once. It was like a, a kind of quiz show. Um, so, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about when you have a set of people and they're all using their minds to work together on a collaboration or project and they're all working towards the same point or end or, or same type of points or ends, you know, they've all got goals, desires that they're, they're going for and, and, it, and it becomes a lot more powerful when you have a set of minds connected into one mind known as the mastermind. A lot of people think, you know, Hocus pocus, what we're talking about, it's like it's like magic, it's Houdini, it's voodoo. It's not. It's just the laws of the universe. And when yeah. you understand them and then you put them at work um, to make your life better and more harmonious, then that's exactly what they do. Isn't that right, my friend? <clears throat> that is 100% so. And and uh, the thing I almost love the most with the mastermind is the accountability that comes with it. And... Uh, because I know if I hadn't been in this, I hadn't stepped up my game the way I do. That we all hold each other accountable and kind of force ourselves to keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. That is you so powerful. You do, you're right. You do, you do force it. And I think you have to force it, don't you? Because if you don't, then what you don't yeah. want will automatically take over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, when when in the, when along the journey did you discover that you know I know it's it's, it's you, you call it like I did when I found out your your life's calling now you know to speak and to use your voice and to use perhaps some of the things that you've experienced um, to help other people like where did was there like an aha moment when you realised that <clears throat> kinda kinda uh, first of all breaking free from the chains of alcoholism uh, and and uh, the abundance of, of uh, love and uh, to feel again was something I wanted others to, I wanted to inspire or share the, 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 the things so they can make a similar journey. Mm -hmm. 
And one and a half year ago, I was at work talking with one of my colleagues and I, I said, speak out loud to the universe. Uh, I would like to speak in public. I would like to speak. Uh, it's, it, it scares me. It scares me the most. <laughs> it's one of the, the things that I'm uh, most scared of. <clears throat> and that was one and a half year ago. And uh, then I didn't think about it uh, here and there a bit. But then Les Brown came up this summer. And I've been, uh, I've been loving his, his words for at least two years. And uh, he spoke about this uh, to, to engage with your voice and uh, engage people and motivate them and uh, that he had this program. So I just got sucked into it, man. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're anything like me, get a little obsessed with things. I'm either... You know, particularly when something new comes around, I'm just all about it. It's all I'm thinking about. I'm eating, sleeping, dreaming about it. Um, I, I throw myself right into things. And I think uh, I see you in the short time we've been connected the past few months um, to be someone who's very similar in that regard. You know, you 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 go for something wholly and completely, uh, and then when it's done, it's done, and then it's the next thing. What's next? What what's what's the next thing for me to get obsessed about? <laughs> No rest for the wicked. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right for sure. For sure. Now tell me, you know, you've had some, some. That's, you know, I always like to touch on challenges in business uh, and the, and highlighting the fact that it is a roller coaster journey. You've already told us there, you know, you had the had the farm going, you know, you're barely going eighteen months there. I don't think it even was eighteen months. You know, you got raided. Um, you got all, all your all your all your produce taken away, which is a nightmare situation from a business that's you know a business of yours is nothing without its produce. That's the main you know bulk of of what it does. Um, and then you know you, you bounce back from that with some help that just came to you um, just at the right time, as it always often does. Um, and then, but you know, what other challenges have you had a, had along the way, and and how did you overcome them? Uh, the most challenging, <clears throat> the most challenging part with uh, this business is uh, the banking and uh, the card payment solutions, because those uh, I've been through a couple of uh, PayPal, for example. PayPal was the one I used first. Uh, they blocked me after two months, <clears throat> and then after PayPal blocked us, uh, it felt like. I'm on some kind of list uh, in the pay, payment solutions uh, uh, space because uh, after PayPal blocked us, we tried different ones and they all shut us down in a week or three days and a week. And from there, it's uh, yeah, that, that's the most challenging part because the product almost sells itself if you're just free to market yourself in a legal way and uh, then then it then it's on a roll but uh, that thing with banking and, and that that's an issue for everyone everyone has the same problem so in that industry right yeah so, so now yeah. that we're building we're building on an american company now uh, that will that aims to to uh, to handle that solution for everyone else as well, so they can 
buy a service from us to, to get uh, a low fee and everything, and that they will have a platform to work on, and the banking and the, the card processing will be solved. Uh, not for free though, but, but she, as cheap as it gets, as cheap, cheap as it gets, because some of these <coughs> card processors out there, they, they're taking 15%, some of them 30%, wow. yeah, 30% because it's a high risk business. So, you know, <laughs> and then I'm you have Sweden, you have 50, what? I'm sorry, I'm surprised it's even legal for them to take 30%. I mean, that's most businesses' profit margin, right? Yeah, that that's that's a crime in itself. So, um, nah, that that is just uh, crazy. But uh, working with the the state of California has opened some opportunities for us to go international. And then, if Sweden for some reason orders, we can ship to Sweden as well. But uh, even there, there's some problems because the banking was going in the right direction until this summer in. Uh, in California, mm -hmm. then uh, so many people started messing with the Delta 8. You know about that? Delta no. 8 tetrahydrocannabinol. It's like THC's uh, oh. brother. And, okay. and you, you extract the CBD from the hemp. And from the CBD, you do the, the Delta 8 THC. And so many were starting to sell this. And uh, so they, so they, uh, got the rules uh, more strict, harder. Right. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we are not done, but uh, we are slowly and surely getting a full-time working solution that will help us, first of all, but then hopefully the rest of Sweden as well, because mm -hmm. everyone is having the same problem. Well, it's a movement, brother, and it's a movement that's happening all over the world. You know, we talked off camera before. I had um, my friend from the UK, Abby Hughes, on, who's uh, a member and founder of Plant Ed Collective, who in the UK are big behind this movement of just making cannabis um, and hemp more accessible to people in the countries where it's happening, you know, in the UK, in the USA, and, and to people in in the medical perspective as well, you know, these are the people that really need it the most, you know, remove the recreational side out of it for a minute because let's talk about the people that actually need it as a means and an end to them living healthily and pain-free and without anxiety and stress. And, you know, for, for children who have, you know, some of these kids have 15, 20, 30, you know, epileptic fits a day and, and that just with a tincture of, of uh, you know, hemp oil, uh, cannabis oil, it can be, it can stop that for them straight away. You know, yeah. so it, it's ridiculous that it's um, not available in a, in a controlled and safe way to people like that who need it to make their life a, bit, a better place. But it is something that's changing. Um, it's changing. It's changed a lot rapidly in America in the past, um, particularly the past decade, even the past maybe, you know, even five years, it's changed a lot of... Um, been there and, and really seen it, seen it, seen it change there and, and be a lot more available. And in the UK, you know, it's changing as well. I mean, it is available in the UK in a medical form now. And it's interesting to see how that plays out over here in a place like Australia that's always a little bit, of course, geographically, it's very far removed from all, from, from the other places that, that stuff's really changing in. Um, 
Europe as well, of course, the situation has been different, is very different in different parts of Europe that are very close to each other, which is somewhat unusual. But uh, I mean, there's reasons for that. But it, 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 it's slow, it's slower changing here in Australia. But yeah, it's, um, it's a movement that needs to happen. And um, I'm glad, glad it is happening and quite, quite proud to see it happening in, in the time that I'm alive, to be honest. Yes. Yeah, it's just a matter of time now. It's, uh, I believe, uh, even in Sweden, both recreational and, and easier uh, medical availability will mm. be here in four or five years. Yeah. I don't think the Sweden government will uh, uh, legalize or make anything easier for, for uh, the ones that need it medically, but uh, the European Union will force Sweden to... Uh, to, to yeah, ease on its uh, strangle grip. <laughs> yeah, it's stranglehold. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I see. I don't know what the kind of time frame, but I reckon the same here. Kind of four or five years, it'll be at least available. Um, and it already is. Look, and my knowledge is of it isn't full and complete. I know it is actually available in an oil form to some degree here in Australia, but um, I mean that's quite a different product from from what's available in 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 a lot of other countries. Um, but I think it's um, it's good to see. It's important that it that it happens. And of course, there's another side to it as well that that's played out well in America is that you know this brings in a lot of revenue for co for companies. Um, and when when it becomes um, you know it, it just it, it produces a lot a lot of revenue, and that revenue can go to some very good causes. Um, mm. that, you know, people actually blame these these problems on you know oh it you know it's causing uh, you know mental problems at scale and 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 a lot of the money produced from it i know in america goes into projects to help um you know people with mental issues community issues um helping helping all kinds of things so um there's another side to it that it brings once it's legalized it brings a lot of legal revenue instead of ha it having to be you know, um, black, all black market stuff where people don't know what they're getting, they don't know the quality of what they're getting, and, and the prices just um, are all over the place. No, that's absolutely so. That's what we're talking about here in Sweden uh, from all sides, yeah, both the naysayers and the yes-sayers, is that fact that today in Sweden, maybe 90% of the cannabis uh, is from criminal gangs and uh, there are some shootings and violence uh, around that with territorial uh, yeah, wars, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, just legalizing it or in some way decriminalize it and, and uh, maybe make the state have some, I don't know uh, exactly, mm -hmm. but it would do so much good to take those money away from the hard criminal gangs to the people or or maybe to the state as well to 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 use those tax money as uh, yeah to do good to to make uh, make an impact use the money for something good instead of uh, like it is today i, I guess I, I don't know but they so they say that uh, these criminals they buy guns and they have shootouts and uh, Occasionally, some uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, some some uh, 
one that shouldn't be affected. Yeah, someone that's innocent, yeah. Get a bullet to the stomach or whatever. So mm. it's just bringing so much pain and suffering. Uh, totally useless. Totally useless. It is. It is totally useless. And and, and you're right. You know, um, a lot of that. Um, a lot of you know that that market of the world. It's obviously a multi multi billion dollar industry, and it, a lot of it is run by you know big organized crime. Um, I don't. I don't. I think decriminalising is is a good a good way to do it. You know, if it's not full legalising, it's it's obviously going to be a soft approach in a lot of countries, and it's going to need to be done in stages, which is understandable, of course. I think. Um, but yeah, I don't think you'll ever completely stop that black market. I mean, look at alcohol, right? There's still people somewhere making bootleg alcohol and fake alcohol. But you know, I think this is a good model to look at. You know, with what happened with alcohol and prohibition, and and you know, people only really think that was in America. It wasn't. It was actually happened in a lot of countries, um, mm. in some in some form or another, at some scale or another. But I think that's a good model to look at. You know, when people are yes. um, and, and and how that played out. Look, ninety nine percent of alcohol now isn't being sold by someone who's making it um, in in their back garden or their cellar or their shed. You know, unless I'm wrong, look, I could be wrong. Uh, I always, I always reserve the right to be. I don't know everything about the bootleg alcohol industry, but it would appear to me that most people are buying alcohol, are buying it from stores and shops, and it's legal. And the tax from that gets put back into the, the country and back yeah. into the GDP and the revenue of the country. So good stuff can, well, I say good stuff can happen with it. That's another. <laughs> the, the intent is there. <laughs> yeah. We have we have the information already, so we can just look at this information. What is it now? Maybe ninety years ago with the prohibition, we have the facts. It's it's already there. It's just to apply, just to apply it in in our time here and now, and go from there. It, of course, there will be some obstacles uh, on the way, but that's why we talk together and just solve them on the way. It's uh, we have this model here in Sweden where there's only one government-controlled uh, uh, company that's allowed to sell alcohol. Mm. And it works great. It holds down the, a lot of the, uh, the damages coming from alcohol. And we can we, we could use that, for example, in the same way, but have cannabis in there, like a coffee shop slash liquor store controlled by, by the government. They would make mm, loads of money. And, but and I, I think... Sorry, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, but I think one of the roadblocks as well is uh, the pharmaceutical companies. They don't mm. want this to to go to the people. They don't want the people to heal themselves and and have fun for themselves. Uh, they want to have uh, they they want to monopolize all different kind of healing herbs and and substances. For for here in Sweden, example, uh, we have this. Uh, what's it called now? It's, it's for epilepsy, a mixture of one-to-one uh, <clears throat> -one THC, CBD. And since this summer, they were going to release this medication to the market. So last summer, they made extract with just, just tiny, tiny, tiny traces of THC, fully illegal and uh, classed as narcotics. I believe it's 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 all stringed together in some way. And this mm -hmm. summer, now when they were going to release this medicine to the market, they started with these uh, hemp raids and busts all over the country. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's 
because of them in some way. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make a statement and, and scare the little man and don't you try to do this at home because this is what's going to happen. Look at this. Look at Michael there and look at this guy over here. Um, yeah, I think making examples of people, yeah, I think um, I think you're right there. I think that's a big roadblock, you know, the pharmaceutical companies, you know, it's it's quite evident that they're going to lose and if not, they already probably are losing millions, if not billions of dollars to um, medicinal cannabis use um, and, and you know, CBD as well and hemp as well, of course. I mean, hemp is obviously legal everywhere and, it's, and, it, and it is used everywhere, but yeah, the other parts of the plant aren't. Um, so I definitely think that'll be a blockage. But I mean, there's some parts of Europe where they've got it right and they've had it right for a long time now. You look at places like Holland. Um, I'm not too sure I wouldn't know the full history of it, but uh, I mean, I've been there four or five times. So it's been like that for at least 10, 15 years. And uh, yeah. they've, they've had it like that there for a while, you know, where you talked about that mixture of what you said there. There's, it's more coffee shops there, isn't it, really? It's certainly more coffee shops with where cannabis is available to purchase. But there is some bars, you know, where you can get a beer and there's also, you know, cannabis available there and they've, they've mixed that up with like a casino or entertainment or stuff like that. I could be wrong actually with the casino, but there's definitely like a building where you can go to one kind of complex and, and you can yeah, have... Yeah. The Netherlands. Mm. Yes, yeah. yeah. Switzerland as well, Spain, Italy... Uh, it's all over the place, and and we have some good uh, good news that came uh, two days ago. Uh, there was this high court, uh, European high court, judge, ruling, yeah, that uh, said that uh, if the governments, this was for France. France is uh, very much like Sweden and uh, Slovakia as well. Is super strict with when it comes to the hemp and the cannabis. If we are not allowed to make this extract and sell CBD, the government needs to come up with solid proof that this is really a harmful substance, like they're trying to, to say in, right now. So they are it's going in the right direction. Mm, yeah, yeah, it is going in the right direction and uh, glad to see it happen, to be honest with you, Michael. Yeah, it's so important. I believe hemp is, uh, it's, it truly is the healing of all nations. Uh, the hemp, if, if we put the, the, the medicinal, recreational uh, thing aside, we have the paper, we have the plastic, we have uh, the clothing, everything, everything. And the industries are not uh, like the cotton industry, for example, or like the paper industry that just destroys even our own forest here in Sweden. They're shoveling them down to make toilet paper. When we can grow hemp that yields like 40 times more than, than tree if you, you, if you calculate how much energy it costs to make paper from, from trees and paper from hemp. Hemp is 40 times as uh, cost effective and... Brilliant. I didn't know that. And on the same time it eat uh, carbon oxide, like 20 tons per acre. Uh, not acre, we have another, like two acres. Mm -hmm. 20 tons of, of uh, carbon uh, oxide. What's that? Is it called like that? That harmful? Yeah, carbon, monoxide, carbon dioxide. Do you know what? I'm not too sure. Right? <laughs> we, we take the oxygen and they produce, no, they produce the oxygen and they take our carbon dioxide, I believe, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
And at, at the same time, when you grow the hemp, uh, you make the soil more uh, more alive. Uh, so it, it keeps uh, this, uh, because when, I can't explain this in English, but <laughs> when, when you drive and, and pull up the, the earth uh, every yeah. autumn, every spring, every autumn, every spring, uh, the climate uh, change that we can see, it, it goes up at exactly yeah. that time uh, when the Western world does this. And with yeah. the hemp, you don't need to do that as, as much. And uh, you get yeah. ah, you get a better planet, a better planet altogether. Yeah, yeah. I, understand, I understand totally what you're saying. It's about, um, you know, taking that good out of the soil and removing the nitrogen-rich out of the soil. Um, and then that soil becomes less fertile, less able to grow things from it and then they have to put it through processes to re-artificially put nitrogen back in the soil it's yeah. what's played out a lot across america with a lot with large swathes of land that are used just to produce grain to feed cattle um yeah. a lot of those lands you know within the next kind of 20 20 30 years are going to become a lot harder to grow on um, and other places all around the world but i didn't know that actually i didn't know that you get so much more yield um, you know, per 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 weight, however, whatever weight you're measuring it with, um, kilos usually. But for, for hemp versus paper, it yeah. just seems seems yeah. backwards that they would keep just chopping all these forests down when there's it's, a, it's, a plant there that can um, already do it. You just wonder, don't you? Is it because they're so ingrained and these companies are so up to log and to mill paper and to manufacture that it just it, it takes a lot to unravel that. Yeah, and you know, you know what? Uh, uh, I think there are some rumors and and some proof as well. But uh, in the beginning, when uh, cannabis and hemp got criminalized, it was very much because of the paper industry. Then, together yes, with all the, the pharmaceutical as well. But there are some uh, some information that indicates that the paper industry was the number one that uh, started back trash talking the hemp and, and the cannabis and make this racist uh, bullshit that uh, the marijuana and the Mexican and started to scare the American people and then it's just spread across the world so mm. and it's the same today I guess I mean they were uh, maybe pushing tons of money into lobbyism to to, to stall the, the process of uh, legalizing the hemp and use the hemp again it's, it's interesting isn't it and um look i think we could talk about this for many hours and perhaps we will even do a second episode where we could talk about it more because there's um there's a lot to be said in it and um there's a lot to be said about that about the fact how that play and look i don't know the facts but i've read a lot of stuff and they all talk about the same point from different sources some of them valuable some of them reputable some of them not so but the mm. That's what happened. That's how it played out. You know, the big paper, the big newspaper owners and media outlets of the time, which at that time were the biggest in the world. You know, when the internet wasn't around, when TV wasn't a thing, when of course radio was around, but the newspaper was everyone's go-to every day of where they got their news, perhaps some to some degree entertainment and um, everything like that. You know, it's really the hub of information in that day, um, and and that they were getting. Um, you know, superseded, shortcut by these other papers that were starting to produce out of hemp and not paper because they could produce it for so much cheaper. And how well positioned were these 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 media outlets to go, okay, well let's let's do a smear campaign on this stuff, being yeah. you know 
one provider of news and that kind of you know how are they going to play that out well it's you know let's bring white and black and 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 into it and things like that um but yeah it's, it's an interesting story isn't it for a whole other whole other whole other song Rupert Murdoch, I believe his name was, the one they were talking about that owned this uh, printing press uh, business and started uh, smear and uh, uh, trash talk, started uh, black versus white, Mexican versus and cannabis, bad, alcohol, good. Yeah. yeah. And like what year was that? I'm thinking, you got any idea, year, what that, I do? I do. I it somewhere in the... Uh, early 1930. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was like 40s, 50s. I'm not sure. I, it, it could be the 40s, 50s as well. Yeah, yeah. Because but, uh, I know yeah. Henry Ford made a car out of hemp that ran on uh, uh, hemp uh, uh, alcohol. Hemp. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, 19. Wow, that's 1912, awesome. 1912, I believe. Henry Ford had a, uh, 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 I think it was the T Ford as well, that was fully made of hemp. And, uh, oh, the, good. yeah, not the, not the, you know, the other part was made of hemp and yeah, okay. it ran on hemp. The, the motor ran on hemp, uh, bio alcohol. It, it's called something else. Yeah. Uh, it's called something else, but uh, but they shut him down. They destroyed him directly there, and that was the oil industry. So they they had some something mm. to do with that as well. So, but it all hangs together. It was this very powerful, greedy man that uh, yeah that sent the sent the course of um, history at that time really in a completely different direction because it's, yeah. it's completely changing. It's completely changing. Uh, now and it's changing pretty quickly i think and it's going to be a really welcome change to see in our in our lifetime yeah it's a must it's it's a must for the planet and for us humans it's it's so powerful plant so i agree, I agree. and i think um to that point that i commend you for what you do in the space of of putting the message out to make people realize how important it is now let's let's talk about the word Hustle, Michael. Of course, it's uh, integral in the title of this podcast. Um, it was given to me, handed to me after I after I said it to him in in a presentation I was putting together by Les Brown. It became the podcast. You know, it's becoming the book. Um, there's there's all kinds of stuff happening around it now. It's really gained a life of its own, and I'm really enjoying the journey. But I'd love to know what the word hustle means to you, and what drives your hunger for it. Good question. Is it the restless, restlessness that drives my hunger, perhaps? No, but it is uh, the hunger today is uh, one part is to, to motivate and make an impact. And the other part is to make like a legacy and, and uh, a security for my family. Um, yeah, that I'm is lucky. the hustle. But I'm for... Ten, fifteen years ago, the hustle was something completely else. It was just uh, maintaining, just to get my uh, drugs, and uh, it was small, very, very small. Today, it's a lot bigger, and uh, yeah, the hustle is 
it has like a negative touch to it in some way, the hustle, the hustle. But uh, it shouldn't be like that because the hustle is uh, so important. And the hunger to the hustle, <laughs> the hunger as well. It's, uh, yeah, it's life uh, super important. Mm. It is, it is. And I think um, the way that you you answered that and you said that, you know, to, to provide for your family, of course, for yourself in that as well, um, and, and your children, you know, that's, I think that's that's a big driver for a lot of people in, in their hustle. You know, it's not just, um, you're not just hustling for, for, for you and the things you want and the goals and dreams that you want to achieve, whether that be in business or your own personal life, but there's people, you know, to provide for. And that inherently just having that in your life drives drives that for you. Not that I have children, I must say, but uh, I can see from uh, you know many close people who do that it would clearly drive drive you. Now tell me, Michael, about some goals and dreams for for the business Magic Herb, and where do you what, what's the aspirations? Where's it going, brother? As it looks now, it is to restore the family farm and uh, make a lucrative, profitable business uh, down there and uh, also at the same time build like uh, a health center, restorational center uh, with my coaching and other people's coaching as well. Uh, and. Uh, I would like to get involved some medicine women that work with uh, Mother Ayahuasca and Combo and the mushrooms and such because that's such a powerful, powerful tool. It's, uh, you know, you can go to the psychology for two years uh, and, at the same, and get the same result that you maybe go to two days with, uh, with the psychedelic. So I, I want to build something like that. But we have some legacy issues as well. So maybe I, sh I shouldn't be talking about it. But uh, that is the goals right now. Yeah, I think they're great. And I think I like the way that it would naturally seem to play out really well for me that, you know, if you create a health and wellness center there, a spa or a retreat, mm -hmm. Um, and the services you know that you could offer there would tie in, tie in well with it. I look forward to seeing it happen, and um, I'm going to be one of your first guests from Australia when it when it's when it's done. Let me tell you that. <laughs> You're more than welcome, my friend. More than welcome. I look forward to it. It will happen. Now, I'd love for you to close out with uh, coming to the end of end of our time together now, and I've really enjoyed it, and I definitely think there's plenty of room for you to come on again. And we've got, uh, you know, I could talk to you for hours, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> but we are to the end of this episode and wrapping up the hour and I'd love for you to give three hot tips for anyone who's watching you know you've been on a hell of a journey quite frankly from someone who you know um, just worked with someone else and answered to their beck and call to doing your own thing in life and, and becoming an entrepreneur and business owner but you know anyone who's watching perhaps give them three hot tips on, on how they could get it done uh, and what and um, you know what, what, what you need really to be an entrepreneur yeah uh, the things that keep me on track first of all is my morning routine mm. wake up meditate deep breathe gratitude and then the second is the input what you accept <laughs> what you accept into your life uh, the, the information that you want that you take in like movies and and books and everything and 
And most important, shut down the news. The news is bad for business, it's bad for your health, it's bad for everything almost. And the third part would be learn how to love yourself. That's so important. And if you can't do it, find someone like I did, which will love you until you believe in it yourself so you can be able to love yourself. That's the dream. Love that. That, that third tip was definitely my favorite. The other two are important. Morning routine is important and blocking out that noise is important. But yeah, I love that one. I think that's a great way to, um, to close out the show, Michael. And if... Yeah. If anyone wants to contact you, I'm going to put the links in the comments here. So whether you're watching live now or later, guys, you can find them. But Michael, do you just want to tell the folks the best place to find you and connect with you? Uh, the best place is to go to www.magicherb.se. And uh, there, on the bottom of the page are my contact info. Uh, yeah, that is the, not unfortunately, but that's the only place I have right now. I'm building a, a side business because you have to at least have two legs to stand on because they can just come and take the hemp away. So, But that's another story. That's for the, the, the other podcast. Yeah, for sure. All right, Michael, it's been great to chat with you. And it's nice to meet you. Nice. What's your name? Uh, it's 6.30 here. Oh, no, sorry, I said, sorry, it's nice to meet your son. What's his name? Oh, Leon is eating on his mom's uh, mascara. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael, you, the world will know. <laughs> there you go. Michael, so great to spend some time with you. I've really enjoyed our time together. Thank you for giving me your time and energy. Let's 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 dive back in sometime again soon, and uh, we've got plenty more to talk about. That's for sure. Percent. So, thank you so thank much, you, folks. And if you enjoy the episode, please share it with your friends. That's a wrap. That's <laughs>